We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select. Welcome to Picks for Polls, presented by the Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to Picks for Polls, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. Uh, my name is Andrew Freeman, and of course, happy to be joined by Usay Koshal as we are recording this episode on Thursday, August 11th, following uh, another week of Bears training camp practices. And Usay, we have a preseason game uh, coming up on Saturday. So the Bears, we're about to see them uh, play in a preseason game for the first time and uh, just about a year here. You said, how are we feeling today? Yeah, I'm doing well. You're right. You know, we're in the third week of training camp. Preseason football's here. I know we've got a couple games on as we're recording this, but I think there's so much to talk about. I mean, if you're the Bears, right, they've been in the headlines consistently over the last couple of days. So, you know, I'm ready to get into it. Yeah, and speaking of headlines, I think the biggest headline, of course, is the Roquan situation, which I think we'll just start off with here today. Uh, we're going to be doing some college football preview as well as um, on, on the defensive side of the ball today. But let's start with this Roquan conversation because this is something we talked about a little bit uh, for those who uh, joined us for our Twitter spaces for the Bear Report uh, with Zach. Um, and, you know, it's interesting, Roquan. Um, it sounds like contract negotiation kind of broken down a little bit, or maybe, you know, Roquan's just trying to uh, establish a little bit of leverage here in negotiations, but uh, he has officially demanded a trade from the Chicago bears here, making it known that he's not happy with the offers that he's receiving for a contract extension. He's been holding out of practice uh, basically as a hold in um, for practices throughout all of training camp. We haven't seen him out there. Uh, he was there today at, at training camp practice, um, but you know, didn't practice at all. And why that's notable is that, you know, the Bears, they've had him on the pup list throughout the majority of training camp. They just took him off for uh, today's practice. And that's notable because uh, when he's on the pup list, you can't find him for anything. He's officially on the, you know, he's officially injured, quote unquote, so to speak. You know, it's it's been kind of suggested that that was more of a favor uh, to Roquan while they're figuring out an extension. 
And now that he's off the pup list, that opens up the opportunity for the Bears to uh, find him for any discipline here. So if Roquan were to not go to practice since he's on his rookie contract, he were not to show up whatsoever, he would be required to be fined $40,000 because he is at practice as a hold in. The Bears, they have the option to find him. Doesn't mean they're necessarily going to do so. So uh, that raises some interesting questions and, and it makes things a little bit interesting here, I guess, because, you know, how are the bears going to handle this? Are they going to start finding Roquan for not participating in practice? You know, will he start participating a little bit more in practice and ultimately what's going to happen here? Do they get a deal done? Uh, do they end up trading him? You know, you say, what are your thoughts on the matter here? Yeah, well, it's certainly a messy situation, right? Because if you're Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus, I think you're looking at this and you're saying, Hey, he is one of the best players on our roster considering the current state of the team right now. So we should probably figure out a way to get this done, which again, I know is an incredibly generic answer. And I just want to point out, you know, very bold move and great on Ryan Pohl's part to kind of come out and have that emergency press conference. I believe it was Tuesday or Wednesday following the family fest at soldier field. Now, I think ultimately when you look at it, I mean, I think Roquan's kind of stated he wants to be a bear for life. There's no doubt about that. But I think that there's two things to keep in mind here. Number one, this could, a lot of people are saying, well, this is merely a negotiated tactic. But then on the other hand, we've seen premier defensive players on rookie contracts kind of do the same thing. They hold out all offseason in terms of getting a new deal. Training camp comes around and they hold out and then all of a sudden what happens is the team's got no choice but to trade him. I mean, the Bears were in a similar situation with Khalil Mack a couple of years ago where they traded for Khalil Mack after he kind of had held out all offseason. And typically what happens is these deals, so I should mention, not it's not even about the extension at this point, it's just about getting Roquan in the building cuz for a trade to happen a contract extension has to be in place for Roquan Smith to genuinely approve being traded to another team. Now we saw some of this stuff from NFL network, which was just the fact that the deal was really backloaded. And the reason that that's not going to sit well with a player is because if you're a player trying to get your money up front, because you know, for a fact that the way the deals are structured now, it's this is that, you know, teams tend to not necessarily you know, let players finish out contracts. As soon as a player shows the client, a team is like, hey, it's over. We don't have any financial ties to you. We're moving on from you. So from a player perspective, right, you want your money up front. And from a team perspective, Ryan Poles is the type of guy who says that, hey, I'm going to take my time. I'm going to backload some of these deals because I want to have the flexibility now, but then also make sure I get some flexibility in the future. Yeah, and I think the backloading part, as well as some of the structuring, um, apparently there's like pay, I, I know Rappaport's kind of reported that there's like pay de-escalators de in the contract that basically, you know, if, if Roquan doesn't play, you know, at a, specific, at a specific level, or if he doesn't play a certain amount of games or something like that, then he would void um, any bo extra bonuses. Um, for example, like a per game bonus, um, you could have like, 400k in per game bonuses and that what that basically means is if he's healthy you know for a certain um for each week he gets a bonus for that week if he's not you know healthy for a certain week then he doesn't get a bonus that week you know that's all and that would all factor into the contract there stuff like that a lot of players who are making the big money like uh big money contracts don't really like having those type of deals because that's not guaranteed money part of the contract it's not part of a salary or anything like that so um that's part of it 
Um, and that's that's what's rumored to be part of it, I should say, in terms of what's Raps reporting. And yeah, why the backloading is significant is, like you said, like players want money up front. Like it's a win-win, I think, for many teams on these big contracts because if you get, say, like a big signing bonus up front and allows teams to kind of spread out the cap it a little bit, I know it, it creates problems down the line uh, in terms of moving on from these guys uh, because of dead money in the future. But um, a lot of the big contracts now, you see them where they have big signing bonuses up front and then they have smaller salaries that eventually escalate over the duration of the contract and what that means is players getting money up front teams can start the cap hit a little bit and smooth that over um, over the long term of the contract and it creates a little bit of extra security for the player because they know that it's a little bit more difficult for teams to cut them in the event that they're uh, but their play just, uh, starts to decline a little bit. So I think that's one of the things I think the Bears are trying to avoid here in, in terms of they don't really want to give him his money up front because that would mean, one, that they're actually paying the actual value that he wants in the deal. And two, that means they could get in trouble down the line in terms of dead money, which uh, they don't necessarily want to do at this point in a rebuild, especially when they have – they have to start thinking about if Justin Fields is the guy, you know, his big extension coming up, you don't want a lot of dead money – for a player that's not on the roster, potentially um, taking up any cap space on a big deal like that. So I, I see where the Bears are coming on coming from on this. My thing is, is you know, given the Bears cap situation right now, there's no excuse, I think, in terms of you can absolutely fit a deal, a big deal like this for Oakland Smith. They're, they're going to have about $100 million in cap space next year. You can absolutely find a way to fit this on there. It doesn't, you know, impact anything you do next year on any of the free agency moves that you make it's not like there's a big wide receiver that's going to be out there for them because a lot of the big wide receiver names are getting locked up already so you're not really investing in a wide receiver for free agency you know ideally you build this thing for the draft anyway as well so you know i don't i think from a cap perspective there's no reason not to make a big deal like this and my biggest fear with this is that in, in terms of the bear side of things is that they're not really negotiating this in good faith with Roquan here. And that's probably what Roquan is probably thinking on this. You know, it's possible that Roquan could be, um, you know, it's possible Roquan could be asking for a little too much here, but if the bears are asking, you know, for backloading his deal and whatnot and pay these de-escalators, that could be a sign that they're not negotiating this thing in good faith. Yeah, I think, okay. So this is a double-edged sword, right? Now, I'm always going to side with the player because I believe as a player, you should get paid. Like most of the people who are saying that Roquan Smith is being, you know, a baby about all this stuff. Like, let's be honest, you know, let's be vulnerable here for a second. I mean, the reality is this, is that if you weren't be, if you were doing more work at your real life job, than you were being compensated for, you would do one of two things. You would either leave or you have every right to ask for a raise. It's kind of the same thing here with Roquan Smith, but, there's something that needs to be pointed out. People forget, right, that the Bears are in the middle of a rebuild. So when you're in the middle of a rebuild as an NFL team, your biggest asset, honestly, is going to have all these players on rookie contracts, which kind of allows you to create some financial flexibility to ink a guy like a Roquan Smith to a big deal. So People are acting like if the Bears ink Roquan Smith to a big deal, what will happen is the team's going to have no cap space and nothing to build around Justin Fields. When in reality, like the Bears have, what, 11 rookie deals on their roster this year? 
based off the draft capital, I think they're going to have another six next year. And then that's not even counting the class of 2021, right? And the class of 2020, which is going to be going into next year at this time, year three and year four of their deals respectively. So most of this roster is pretty much going to be on its rookie contract through the end of you know, next season at least. I mean, so the Bears do have some flexibility in terms of cap spending in that sense. And then number two, right? People have been playing hypotheticals on Twitter all week about what could the Bears fetch for Oakland Smith. And I've heard and I've seen people just straight up say, well, just ship him off, get the draft capital, follow it today, reinvest in the offense. Yes, that's one way to look at it, but then there's a problem associated with that too, which is you can't necessarily guarantee that the players you draft, right? Number one, you're not, you can't guarantee high picks. That's just the reality of it. And number two, you can't guarantee that the high draft picks or whatever draft picks you have, that those develop into legitimate blue chip building blocks, right? Because it's one of the things with the draft is you are taking a risk, right? So the reality of this whole situation is that you know, number one, the Bears have more than enough money this offseason and next offseason to fit a Roquan Smith deal under their cap. And number two, in terms of draft positioning, I mean, the future is so uncertain. You can't guarantee anything at all. You know, like we're sitting here right now in August and we've talked about players that it happens every year, right? We talk about players that are possible top 10 picks. And then by the time February, March, April rolls around, a player that was labeled as a top three, a top five, a top 10 pick is now a third or fourth round pick, you know? So there's no knowing how draft positioning is going to play out. So you make the best decision for the team right now in the future, in a le- or I'm sorry, right now in the present, in a league that's all about what have you done for me lately? Yeah, and to kind of close the discussion here, I'll go back to what I've been saying consistently on this. Like, you know, the market is the market here for Roquan Smith's contract. You know, you're looking at about minimum, at minimum, 19 million per year, um, probably looking at 20 million per year for Roquan. You know, that's just for the way that these linebackers, these top linebackers that are being paid now, you know, look at Shaquille Leonard, look at Fred Warner and their last two deals. Um, that's the going rate for getting one of these guys in Roquan. You know, a lot of people will say, well, maybe he's not quite as good as Leonard and, and Warner. That may be true, but he's certainly not too far off from them. And this is the way it goes with all NFL contracts. The next guy that comes up resets the market usually. And especially for Roquan is a former top 10 pick, um, a guy that was considered a blue chip prospect coming out of Georgia. And he's played, you know, pretty close to expectations for that um, in the NFL so far. You know, he's going to want to be rewarded with a, market breaking deal. So if you're the bears, it's my mindset. If I'm Ryan Poles, it's, and I get it. If you don't want to pay an, an off ball linebacker, that's fine. Uh, you know, I, I totally agree with that. Um, I, I totally understand that level of thinking because off ball linebacker, we've seen it in recent years that teams can get away with, you know, subpar off, off ball linebacker play. You have a linebackers guy and Matt Eberflus here who can develop some young guys. Um, if you want to draft these guys through the draft or whatever, that's totally fine. I understand that thinking, especially in a long-term rebuild. So with that said, you know, why are we letting this play out for so long here? It, it should be really simple. Either you're willing to meet the price of a $20 million per year contract for Oquan Smith, or you're not, and you trade him. That It's really as simple as that. You know, there's no reason to play the franchise tag game here. You know, you're in a rebuild here. Why pay Roquan? You know, he, the franchise tag next year, next year for a linebacker is going to be like $19 million anyway. So, you know, 
paying him a big contract, you could actually kind of save cap space by giving him a contract in terms of the short term um, instead of just playing the franchise tag game. So I don't, I don't think that makes a lot of sense there. Um, and if you're a rebuilding team, why not, if you're not going to pay him, just get the draft picks and, you know, just move on and go from there. Um, that would make the most logical sense for me. I just find it last thing here before we move on to another, our, our other topics for today. I just find it funny to see the reaction where, you know, you see so many bears fans, you know, that they, they love you while you're on your rookie deal and you're, and you're playing for well for the team then. But as soon as you want to go get that second contract and get that big contract, immediately they turn on you and they just tow the company line on this. And, you know, I'll say this, I, I'm with you. I, I'm mostly pro player on these. There are certain times where I'm going to be pro team in these negotiations, but for the most part, I'm pro player. And that's because at the end of the day, guys, this is the NFL. And I know fans hate to see it this way, but the NFL is a business. All right. It's a business first and foremost. These players, they have a certain, they have a very small window of time to maximize their value to generate generational wealth for themselves and their families. All right. So it is, you know, for them, this, they're going to use, they should use whatever leverage they have to try and maximize their ability to, you know, get that maximum value for themselves. That's just the way it is. And for teams, you know, they have to be able to manage that within a salary cap. And I get they're going to try and get it to the smallest number as possible. But when you have special guys in your locker room, blue chip players, like, you know, Roquan Smith, like many people think he is, you know, you have a decision to make, do you, you know, we either are the ones that are going to be paying him or let's send him to a team that is going to be willing to pay him at that price. Cause he's a player that, and at the end of the day with the cap rising, the way it is, is going to be worth it in the long run, you would hope. So, you know, that's my thing on this whole thing. So Roquan, you know, we'll see how the contract plays out with him. You know, I, I certainly hope it works out for both him and the bears here um, because, you know, whether he's a bear long-term or he gets traded to another team and the bears can, you know, get some value here with some draft picks, you know, either way, I think that would be the ideal thing. The worst possible case scenario is that this drags into the regular season here. And, you know, we're just playing a game of chicken throughout the entire year, waiting for this thing to be resolved. So hopefully it gets resolved quickly and, you know, that we're not talking about this too long going into the season, which should be about, you know, this new regime setting a foundation here and get us getting to see the growth of a guy like Justin Fields. And, you know, we're getting a little bit of a, preview of what's to come for this team moving forward sports betting continues to take over the sports world and with fall right around the corner there's going to be action from every major league sports league across the country on our own tvs if you're like me you're glued to the couch watching as many games as you can our friends at odds trader have got you covered with all the odds for each major sports book from around the web all in one place just for you as an added bonus, OddsTrader even compares the signup codes and promos so you get the best deal possible. When you're trying to find the best book, it's always best to have the best signup codes and promotions. Sometimes those even come with boosts, even additional money deposits. The app gives you a complete rundown on any game, including statistics, injuries, key game stats, game day weather, keeping you, the fan, as informed as possible. And sometimes if you're like us, You've got multiple bets going at once. Odd Trader will keep track of them all in one place for you. So what we want you guys to do is this. Head over to oddtrader.com slash bluewire. Once again, that's oddtrader.com slash bluewire, the number one website for all your game day bets.
speaking of moving forward, let's move on to our second topic for today's episode. And uh, that's going to be continuing our preview of the upcoming college football season by breaking down some college prospects for next year's 2023 NFL draft. And, um, you know, last week we talked a little bit about the quarterbacks and previewing some of the biggest names there. Well, uh, this week, let's go to the other side of the ball as we're going to be talking about the defense and some of the big names going into this year's draft um, for that side of the ball and what we're looking forward to for this upcoming college football season. I think you said uh, kind of similar to uh, the quarterbacks here. There are two big names that kind of stand out when looking at defensive prospects here, so much the quarterbacks, and that's got to be Jalen Carter out of Georgia and Will Anderson out of Alabama. Jalen Carter, he's an interior defensive lineman. Um, he was arguably the best defensive lineman on that Georgia team last year, and that's, and that's insane to say because you have Jordan Davis, who is just a mammoth of a human being, a first-round pick, and Devontae White, who's also a first-round pick. But uh, Carter might have been better than both of those guys last year and he's going into a big year uh this year and then will anderson i mean what's not to say he was arguably the best edge rusher uh best pass rusher in general last year so you know you say what are your thoughts on jalen carter and will anderson as prospects you're going into this season i mean hey listen i love both of these players i also want to say this i think that we are going to see debates about who is the better defender um you know, between Carter and Anderson, just better overall player that is going to be able to impact their teams. But no one should be questioning these guys as the number one guys at the very top of the edge rusher group, as well as the interior defensive line group. And I want to start with Jalen Carter, right? Because look, everyone knew how good the Georgia defense was last year, right? They had a plethora of first as well as kind of second round picks. You know, they had a guy like linebacker Nicobe Dean who kind of slipped all the way to the third or fourth round. But what I love about Jalen Carter is they you're getting a player, right? Who's I think six foot four, 315 pounds right around there. I mean, certainly a big player. I think he's physical. He's athletic. And then just the way that he gets off the ball and closes in on ball carriers, I mean, I don't think we've seen a prospect on the interior defensive line play the way he does over the last couple of years, right? And then on top of that, the big thing is that I like the versatility he comes with right now. I think with Georgia last year, he was playing primarily in three and five tech, but I could certainly see him playing in one tech or kind of a two eye tech. And he's got really solid hands as well. You know, he's always using kind of multiple pass rush moves, right? So with Jalen Carter, I don't necessarily see a problem. I think that he is a day one starter. Now, Will Anderson is one of my favorites in this draft class too. I mean, Right about six foot five, six foot six, you know. I think that he can play kind of all over the field, put his hand in the dirt, he can stand up as well. So he's kind of a scheme transcendent player. Um, you know, really high motor, and then he's just always so aggressive. He's got the strength and length to take on bigger offensive linemen. And then the biggest thing that sticks out about him is just how powerful he is, right? So when it comes to a player like a Will Anderson Jr., I think the easiest way to describe him is that he's the perfect package, okay, for what a modern-day NFL team would be looking for in an edge rusher. And, we again, we've seen teams over the last couple of years, you know, like Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa, Chase Young, Miles Garrett even. Um, I firmly believe, I would even throw Bradley Chubb in there, right? I firmly believe that when we talk about a lot of these pass rushers, 
because a lot of the ones I named did go top 10 and even top five in certain cases. Like Will Anderson Jr. is the next guy on that list. Yeah, certainly statistically, Will Anderson stacks up with any edge rusher to come out in recent years. I mean, you look at his last season at Alabama alone, it's it's ridiculous the amount of production he put on out there in 15 games. This guy had 17 and a half sacks, uh, 101 total tackles, and 31 tackles for loss. I mean, that's just ridiculous. This guy is constantly in the backfield making plays. And you're right. I mean, the biggest thing that stands out for Will Anderson is the power that he has at the point of attack. Like, he might be the best run-defending, edge-setting uh, edge player that that I have evaluated so far. And uh, it's really fun to watch. This guy knows how to use his length and to pop in his hands to set the edge, to shed blocks, and just get the ball carrier um, on the edge there. It's it's Khalil Mack-esque. I, I, I know that's putting him in high regard because Khalil Mack, he's one of my favorite players. You know, I think he's still one of the better edge rushers in the NFL, um, especially getting to watch him so closely in Chicago over these last four years. But Will Anderson, in terms of run defense, he definitely has that Khalil Mack-ish factor to him in terms of this guy's just a wrecking ball in the run game. Um, he's just so consistent. Um, so powerful there. He's just tougher off with the tackles to really latch on and, you know, get a hold of here. And that, I mean, that's probably the thing that stood out the most to me. And that's not even to mention the fact, again, this guy had 17 and a half sacks last year. This guy is a pass rushing um, menace off the edge. Um, again, he's not going to win in a traditional ways like you would say, like a Robert Quinn, where he's winning with speed and bend off the edge. Um, it's more of, you know, conv converting speed to power, you know, subtle hand usage, being a little bit crafty there. You know, it's not the flashiest in the world, but he just gets the job done in, um, in the passing games, the pass rusher. And that what that does is that even though he may not have the ceiling of, athlete, of other athletic freaks, such as like a Miles Garrett, um, but he's got a very high floor because you know exactly what you're getting out of him. You know, he's going to be give you a dominant run defender on the edge. And you know that, He's just going to keep, keep, give you consistent high motor um, as a pass rusher with a solid foundation of pass rush moves and power, ability to convert speed to power and push the pocket. So that's Will Anderson in a nutshell. Um, I'm excited to see what he adds to his repertoire this year because I think, you know, if he's already doing this right now um, with another year of season here, how good could he be? It, it's going to be fascinating to watch. Now, Jalen Carter, on the other hand, if you want to make a statistical case between the two, you would say that it's Will Anderson's better prospect, not even close, but I think the stats undersell Jalen Carter's impact as a whole. You look at Jalen Carter's stats, only eight and a half tackles for loss, only three sacks last year. But here's the thing about Georgia's defense. They run probably one of the wackiest defenses uh, in college football, and it's effective for them because they have so many great athletes out there that they can kind of they can afford to kind of run this. And how the Georgia defense works is that the defensive line focuses on stopping the run and basically mucking up everything in order to pave the way for linebackers to kind of come in at the last second and then get the sacks. So the linebackers in Georgia's defensive scheme are going to have more sacks than the defensive linemen because the defensive linemen are working on stunts and stopping the run and not necessarily at getting after the quarterback. Their job is to occupy the linemen so that the linebackers can come in and use their speed to come in and finish the play. But you look at Jalen Carter, all the tools are there for this guy to be a dominant pass rusher 
in the NFL. Uh, this guy, you know, whenever I watched him, it was insane to watch. This guy can get into the backfield with ease. He's got a really quick, explosive first step. He knows how to use his hands. Um, he knows how to convert speed to power. Like, he's the full package. And the stats undersell how dominant this guy was last year. I know he's playing next to other, you know, top-notch talents like Jordan Davis um, and Devontae Wyatt and Trayvon Walker, like all first-round picks. I get it. But I'm telling you, Jalen uh, Carter was the best out of the three of the four of those guys. Um, he, he's legit. He's got a ton of talent. Um, and, again, if he was this good this last year – I can't imagine what he's going to do this year. Now, the thing is, you know, what's he going to do with all that talent not around him anymore? Now he's the definitive head guy. So, you know, I, I guess the question is, how is he going to perform with those guys not there to, you know, take away attention? But I don't know. I, I think this guy's got more than enough talent to, work, to where he's going to be able to make it work and be dominant. And I think it might reflect more in his pass rushing numbers this year because um, they had so many dudes that can get after it last year that it kind of took away from his pass rushing production. Um, now that he's kind of the sole focus here, um, we could see a big season from Jalen Carter from a production standpoint. Um, so with all that, that mentioned, you know, before we get into on to some other prospects here, you said a little bit of a hypothetical game right here. If the Bears – were to be picking high in next year's draft, and they were to decide between Will Anderson and Jalen Carter. Knowing what you know right now, who do you think they would take between the two? Yeah, that's an incredibly tough question because I've kind of spent the summer just brushing up on both of these guys' film. And again, I really like both of them as prospects, but considering the current state of the roster and the situation the Bears are in, I would lean more towards Will Anderson. And I don't say that because I see Khalil Mack light in his game. Well, I should say that's part of it. But also the bigger thing to understand that for the Bears, I mean, Robert Quinn's not getting any younger. We have to be honest about that. And so I think that next year when training camp rolls around, Rob Quinn's not going to be on the roster and the Bears are going to have found kind of his replacement at that point. And I could certainly get on board with a edge rushing duo of Travis Gibson, as well as Will Anderson. Yeah. So that makes a lot of sense. You know, you're probably looking to move on from Robert Quint sometime this year or next off season, you know, Travis Gibson, while he's a talented, you know, intriguing player, it's not a sure thing that he's a long-term piece for this pass rush. And certainly not, you know, given as a number one pass rusher, Will Anderson definitely has that ability in him. I think he's a perfect fit for um, a 4-3 system that Yufus wants to run here. Um, you know what? I, I think if it were – I'm putting myself in the mind of the Bears, and I look at the Bears here, you know, what's the one thing that Yufus kind of emphasized for what this defense needs throughout this entire, you know, offseason? It's that it's been that three-tech, right? You know, on the first day of free agency, you know, they went out, they went to get Larry Ogunjobi. They gave him a big contract despite the fact that he was coming off, you know, a pretty significant foot injury and wasn't healthy. Um, and the fact that, you know, he's kind of been a, a mid-level player, role player for most of his career. And they kind of said like, you know, no, this guy's a guy that we're going to build our defensive line around. Obviously it didn't work out because of the physical uh, fiasco, but um, clearly Iberflus wants to get a three tech to build around this defensive line. And Jalen Carter, you look at all the traits that he has. I mean, this guy has the potential to be a dominant you know, elite three tech at the next level in a scheme like this. So, you know, I, I think between the two, I think Jalen Carter would be the pick. And, I, and again, I, I'm 
I'm just saying, like, the production isn't as gaudy as Will Anderson, but I'm telling you, like, Carter, you watch him on a play-to-play basis. This guy pops every single snap. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think Carter would be the pick here because he fits that three-tech mold. I, I think he has the perfect skill set to, uh, to fill that role. And, you know, you'd be looking at, a, you know, in this style of defense, you'd be looking at a potential superstar here with the way that Ibrahim kind of runs the scheme and the way he funnels his scheme through his interior defensive line. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So... Moving on here, you know, those are the top two guys I think that are going to be discussed all year long, or at least going into this year. But there are some other guys at the top of this draft class, and even going into like, you know, what's projected to be uh, the middle rounds of this draft that, you know, are deserving of some love as well, deserving of some recognition going into this year. And so, what we're going to do for the, these next upcoming uh, players is we're just going to go by you know, we're each going to choose one edge rusher, one interior defensive lineman, one linebacker, and one defensive back that we're looking forward to this year. And you say, I'll start with your choice for an edge rusher going into this year. Yeah, so my edge rusher, and if you guys remember, you know, when we did the Bears 2023 NFL mock draft, I mean, my edge rusher was Zach Harrison from Ohio State. And I think that none of that feelings have changed. I think when you look at Zach Harrison, ultimately, he's a player that's ready to take the next step you look at the size he has i mean about six foot five right around 275 pounds overall just a complete prospect got really long arms too he certainly is able to explode off the ball and then the big thing is just the simple fact that i mean he keeps his hands and feet moving right which allows him to continue to convert speed to power so there are times where you know, there seem to be these mental lapses in Zach Harrison's game. But ultimately, I mean, physically, he is such a good edge rusher that if he can put it all together and he can play just a notch faster, he is going to be able to make a case for being edge rusher two in this draft class. Yeah, we talked about Harrison in our mock draft episode. If you want to get more of my thoughts there, you can go back and check that one. Um, in terms of my edge rusher that I want to discuss here, I'm going to go with Miles Murphy out of Clemson. Murphy is a <laughs> – he's a fun guy to watch because he's definitely a little bit raw at this stage of his development. But uh, you talk about Will Anderson being that speed-to-power guy, a guy who can uh, stop the run, set the edge, and then just work his way to the quarterback by converting speed to power. 
Murphy is that guy, except I think he's a little bit better of an athlete, but not nearly as polished as Will Anderson, if that makes sense. So Murphy, look at his background here. You know, he's a big, strong dude, 6'5", 275. He had eight sacks, 14 and a half tackles for loss last season in 2021. And what stands out to the most to me is that off the snap, this guy is shot out of a cannon. Like he's extremely explosive um, out of his stance. He just explodes into the backfield right away. If you leave him unblocked for just a second, he's going to be two, three yards into the backfield, demolishing a run play right away because, uh, you know, he plays with his hair on fire in terms of uh, just getting off the line, getting in the backfield and just penetrating and, and just messing, mucking things up. Uh, in, in the run game there so this guy plays with reckless abandon you know there is a little bit of polish that needs to again that needs to go into that in order to kind of rein that in but you'd rather um, have him be over aggressive there and have to be reined in a little bit than not be aggressive there um, and not have that playmaking ability and he certainly does have the playmaking ability but he also has again he's a he's broad-shouldered guy He's, he definitely has a lot of power in his upper body. He has the ability to set the edge effectively. Um, he's just a big dude in the run game to, to for offensive tackles to handle. So that was really something that stood out to me. And as a pass rusher, he's a bit of a one-trick pony right now because he doesn't really have any counters. He's not a guy with a ton of bend or, or speed in terms of you know getting to the corner. But this guy has a lot of flashes on tape where uh, he just – Bowls over these offensive tackles where if he gets a little bit of a runway there um, to, you know, build up some energy and some force, like he has the power to knock you on your ass and just make you look silly as an offensive lineman. And he did that multiple times from the games that I saw I've seen of him so far, um, you know, especially against Georgia and Boston college. Those were a couple of games where he really stood out to me from that aspect. Um, just a ton of power in his hands. Um, and, you know, ability to kind of just continue to push his way um, through the pocket and gets to the quarterback and he's relentless too he doesn't give up he's got a really high motor so it's all about for him just adding a couple of different counters and moves to his tool belt here um, he's never again he's never gonna be the bendiest guy he's not he's not a Robert Quinn type of pass rusher he's uh, full force a power edge edge rusher guy you know kind of similar Again, I'm, I'm bringing in a lofty name here, you know, because this guy is also kind of like a borderline Hall of Famer type guy, and that's, you know, Cameron Jordan. But he, he's a lot like Cameron Jordan. Cameron Jordan is kind of that bigger edge, 4-3 defensive end, and I think Miles Murphy reminds me a lot of that, which is very explosive, converts speed to power, pushes the pocket, um, just really hard for these offensive tackles to handle. And if you're not a guy who's ready to, to kind of handle his power, he's going to make uh, he's going to make your day a living hell because – um, he just has a lot of upside there. So needs to add a little bit more, but I'm excited to see what he does this year because I think he could have uh, he could have himself a pretty big year in Clemson's defense. Um, let's move on to interior defensive line. You say, who's your interior defensive line to look out for? Yeah, so I really look at this entire draft class, right? And again, I have to say that when it comes to sorry, when it comes to these interior defensive linemen, right, you know that Jalen Carter's kind of at the very top, but, um, you know, there's a couple names that really go ahead and intrigue me. I think that ultimately when you um, look at it, right, this is a class that's just incredibly wide open, but Brian Breezy from Clemson is kind of an interior defensive lineman that I feel like is going to go ahead and a couple things, right? Number one, he's going to be the 
interior defensive lineman number two here in this class right behind Jalen Carter. But I also think he's going to be Clemson's best defender, okay? So when you look at Brian Breezy, I mean, you have to love the physicality and the size that he plays with about six foot five, 300 pounds. And then ultimately just looking at him, right? The reality is that he can play in a three, four defense, mainly as a three technique. He kind of gets into the backfield. He's just so quick off the uh, ball. Now, where I think that Brian Breezy can grow is this, right? Is that he's going to kind of have to get back into the swing of things because he did have an ACL injury that ended his sophomore season. And so, you know what? I think that him being back at full health really gives Clemson that shot in the arm and that jolt that they need. And so if he can kind of come back healthy, but also just be completely consistent, not get pushed off the line of scrimmage at times, the sky's the limit for Brian Breezy. Yeah, Breezy has to get back from the torn ACL. I think that's the biggest thing for him this year, but you know, I like, like you kind of mentioned, you know, he's got that length. He's got really good power in his initial hands. So that was, that was something that stood out to me when I watched him. Um, so there's a lot of upside there. I, I, like you, I'm excited to see what he does because, you know, former five-star crew, he's a phenomenal athlete. So um, it's just a matter of him putting it all together because like Murphy, he's a little bit raw in terms of the sand usage right now. But for my interior defensive lineman, um, I'm going with a bigger dude here. And that's, you know, he's, he's the opposite of a Jalen Carter and um, Breezy here, uh, more of a nose tackle type here. And that's Siaki Ikea out of uh, Baylor. And, you know, Ika, 350 pounds and, you know, he's a typical nose tackle from that aspect of things. But uh, this guy, for being as big as he is, he's got surprising agility and athleticism for a guy at his size. He's very quick for his size. And, you know, again, he's, he feels more of that traditional nose tackle profile there. He does have the ability to stop the run um, pretty effectively with his size. But he's got uh, a lot of pass rushing upside because he's you know, more agile and athletic than you would think for a guy as big as he is. Like there are a lot of, when he puts it together, there are some flashes of him being a uh, pretty exciting pass rusher for projecting to the next level. It's just a matter of consistency at this point. And I think, you know, he could maybe stand to lose a little bit of weight or to maximize that agility going forward. Um, you know, he needs to play lower with his pad level and, you know, he's not the longest guy in the world. So that's something to factor in as well. But, you know, if you're looking for more of that one tech, zero tech, nose tackle type of guy in a four, three or three, four, uh, a guy who has some pass rushing upside because the way to go, I think for this draft, because again, there's, it's very rare to see guys of his size, be able to move the way he does in short areas, um, and if he can put it all together with, you know, a little bit more, um, a little bit more finesse and, and, you know, polishing his pass rush moves next year, I, I think you could have a very tantalizing prospect for a lot of teams because, again, it's like, it's like a Bill Parcells planet theory where there's only so many large human beings uh, that can move at, at a high level. And Ika kind of fits in that mold. There, there are just so many, so many athletes on the planet there are as big and athletic as this guy is. So it's kind of like a, a molding a ball of clay in terms of he's got all the physical tools you want, but can you just put it all together? And, and you know, that's going to be the question he's going to have to answer this year. Uh, moving on, let's get to the linebacker here. You said, who do you got for linebacker? Yeah, linebacker again is another really intriguing um, player. But for me, it's linebacker Trenton Simpson from 
Clemson, you know, he's going into his junior year. I think that he played, you know, a couple different roles for Clemson last year. I mean, I remember him playing safety last year. So certainly, I mean, you're talking about a player who's versatile, right? And so I think when you look at Trenton Simpson, just as a player overall, you know, the explosiveness is certainly there. And then as well as just the length that he possesses with his incredibly long arms, they kind of help him really fight off, um, you know, offensive linemen. And he's able to go ahead and then just shed those uh, blocks. And then I think, you know, overall, when we look at a player like a Trenton Simpson, right, you're getting a great athlete and you're getting a lot of versatility when it comes to him as well. Now, my biggest fear with him, I think, is that he, in my opinion, should just stick to playing linebacker and linebacker only because I thought that's really where he excelled I don't think he should follow in kind of this like Keanu Neal you know Carl Joseph I will even say Isaiah Simmons route and then a team tries to make him into like you know this kind of hybrid safety slash linebacker type player because I think you know when I mentioned those three names all of them coming out of college were really good prospects and probably had bright futures in the NFL at one specific position. But ultimately, you know, when teams started moving them around, especially as rookies, you knew that it kind of ruined and stunted their development. So for Trenton Simpson, I mean, he's a phenomenal athlete, but just whoever drafts him, stick to him staying at linebacker, and that's it. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, for my linebacker, I'm going with a little bit more of a throwback here, um, and that's Noah Sewell out of Oregon, and interesting prospect. He's uh, Panay Sewell's brother, uh, who's of course was drafted by the Detroit Lions, and uh, and I think the 20 was it 2020 uh, NFL draft, I think it was, or 2021. I'm getting my drafts mixed up, man. I think it's 2021 draft. Panay Sewell was drafted. Um, you know, seventh overall pick for the Detroit Lions. So Noah Sewell. Just looking at him, this guy is a just great athlete. And at 6'3", 250, um, it's very rare to see linebackers just move the way he does, selling the sideline um, with his level of speed and tenacity. Um, and what I like about Sewell is that this guy is big, he's physical, and he hits hard. Like when he gets to you, like if you're a ball carrier, you do, you do not want Sewell um, hitting you at all because he brings every single – 
um, every single pound of force that he can possibly muster into every single hit. And that can be a detriment sometimes because he can miss some tackles and you know, he can lower his head. And, you know, that's not something you want long-term for a guy. You want him to have proper tackling technique moving forward. So he's going to have to work on that. He can be a little bit overzealous um, trying to hit guys too hard, but you know, in terms of, you know, what you want from a throwback linebacker, you know, this guy can shed blocks in the run game. He can chase sideline and sideline in the run game. He can get into the backfield, penetrate gaps and uh, make plays in the backfield. Like he's got an all as a run defender, I think, uh, moving forward. The questions for him kind of come in the passing game and not necessarily like where he, it's not necessarily like that he's a, you know, you have to take him off the field on passing situations. It's more so, you know, what's his role on passing downs? And, you know, can he continue to improve his coverage? Because right now, you know, the way Oregon uses him, he's more of a weapon as a kind of quarterback spy and pass rusher than he is as a true cover linebacker. And I think for a skill with the Bears, where they ask their linebackers to cover more than they do like blitz and be a factor as, as a rusher, you know, that if, he, if Sewell would be drafted by the Bears, that could be, you know, kind of a, a tough transition for him there because you look at him, his best um, way to be utilized in the passing game is as a blitzer and pass rusher. Like he's got legit pass rushing moves off the edge. He has like legit bend and ability to um, get around the corner, around offensive tackles and make plays in the passing game that way. Um, he, he's great as a quarterback spy because he's so fast and instinctive that once the quarterback breaks the pocket, like he's on there right away. So um, that's really where he's at his best kind of playing within the first five yards of the line of scrimmage when he has to start doing more advanced stuff in coverage in terms of, you know, changing direction and, you know, you know, covering shiftier guys in man coverage and carrying you know, wide receivers, tight ends, running backs down the seam. That's where he can get into a little bit of trouble. That's where he's, you know, kind of behind right now. So I want to see Sewell, um, can he work on, uh, on that? You know, I, I think for him, maybe, playing five to 10 pounds lighter could be beneficial for him. So that way he does have a little bit more um, ability to change direction there and is a little bit lighter to be able to run down the field in the seam. I, I think all that would be beneficial for him, but also just the instincts, just the way he's used right now, he hasn't really had the opportunity to develop past coverage instincts in terms of, you know, not just standing in his zone, you know, finding guys to cover instead of just covering grass, if that makes sense. Um, but Sewell, like FIs, like all the potential is there for him to be a stud linebacker. And again, we talked about Roquan's situation earlier. Like if Roquan is, you know, eventually moving off from the Bears, you know, I think Aaron Flutes would do wonders with the linebacker prospect like uh, Noah Sewell. So finally, let's move on to our final prospect each year, a defensive back. You know, you said, who is your defensive back that you're looking forward to? Yeah, so this was a hard decision for me just because I really like some of the cornerbacks in this class as well, like a um, Keely Ringo from Georgia. But again, we'll get to cornerbacks when we do. But how about some love for Alabama safety Jordan Battle? You know, about six foot two, 210 pounds. I think when you look at Jordan Battle overall, he reminds me a lot of Bears rookie Jaquan Brisker, okay? Because you're getting incredibly a player that's a good athlete he's incredibly physical he's a player that is you know got excellent range as well and then he just reads in the running game i mean he reads his keys with such ease and then boom just explodes and will kind of get after the ball carrier so just the physicality i think really sticks out to me as the physicality and the instincts stick out to me but regarding the physicality there's times where he's a bit 
overly aggressive. And again, as we've seen with some of these college safeties over the last couple of years, when you have a safety that's a bit too over aggressive, it does tend to haunt you at times. And so for Jordan Battle, I think, you know, while you want him to play fast, you also hope that in 2022, his kind of mental clock you know, just slows down just a bit so that he's more focused on being able to make the play instead of just being the first guy to the ball carrier. Yeah, Battle, he was kind of a guy that was expected to uh, go out into last year's draft or this past draft and decide to stay an extra year in Alabama. So, you know, Battle, I think he's, you know, if you were gone to the draft this past year, I think he probably would have been a day two pick, you know, going back to school, hopefully maybe he can work his way into being a first round pick. So we'll see what happens there for battle. Uh, as for my guy, I'm going to go with Antonio Johnson, out of Texas A&M, you know, Johnson stands out for him. He's a safety prospect uh, by definition, but he, he's really more than that. He's a, he's a very versatile player. He plays a lot of nickel um, at Texas A&M. So the way he kind of works where, where the way I think he kind of projects the NFL is he's kind of that, you know, too high safety that can come down and play in the slot and, and man up against, you know, some wide receiver matchups and tight ends at the next level. He's kind of a bigger nickel, 6'3", 200 pounds. So um, he has some versatility there. Um, and he's a guy who's physical against the run. Um, he, he's got all the tools you want to be really good in, ineffective in pass coverage, both in man coverage and zone coverage. So for him, it's a lot about how these defenses will use him at the next level. You know, do they use him just as a typical safety? Do they use him as kind of that, um, you know, hybrid outside linebacker type of guy? Do they use him as a pure slot defender? You know, I I see a lot of similarities to him and kind of guys like, you know, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson from um, New Orleans Saints. Um, kind of these bigger nickels. I wouldn't say he's like a full on Tyron Matthew because Tyron Matthew is just kind of his own special type of uh, player with his playmaking ability, but he kind of fits the mold of that style of a safety where, you know, he can play too high shell sometimes, but typically you want this guy in the slot um, and, you know, have him more closer to the action that way. So Antonio Johnson, he's projected to be um, a first round pick right now. I decided to see what he does. Uh, moving forward going into this year it's going to be you know a big year for defensive process I think you know looking at this you know draft so far I, I'm starting to like this defensive class a little bit more than the offensive class so far you say and that's going to be one of the things that's going to be exciting this year is you know who are the guys that kind of stand out throughout the year and um, it should be an exciting one looking at these prospects uh, we we cover quarterback now we cover defensive uh the defensive side of the ball um, so we got some offensive guys to talk about next week. So um, to wrap it up here, you said uh, we have a preseason game to talk about here. It's, it's exciting to talk about a football game once again. So to wrap it up real quick, uh, what are your expectations for the Bears first preseason game? What are some of the things you're looking for um, for their game against the Chiefs? Yeah, well, I think really the expectation is just the fact that You've seen Matt Eberflus all offseason emphasize, hey, we're going to be fast, we're going to be intense, we're going to be physical. So it's preseason football, but you want to be able to see that, especially from your third and fourth string guys, okay? Because you never know what sort of hidden gem could pop up from that. But ultimately, I mean, this preseason game is 
more about specific players and younger players that are in their first or second year than it is about evaluating the entire roster. Because these first and second year players are going to be the ones who form the foundation of the roster. And again, if you're the Bears, you're looking at this and you're ultimately like, hey, listen, you know, a player like a Justin Fields, a player like a Braxton Jones, I would even say, you know, a player like a Larry Borm or Tevin Jenkins, this is your time to go ahead and shine and to really make a name for yourself. Because at first preseason game and you know you kind of begin to see who's done what through the first couple weeks of training camp and then who's going to kind of continue their strong start moving forward and build momentum to start during the regular season yeah and Matt April said today that he expected the starters to get 15 to 20 snaps um you know in the first quarter here or so so you know don't expect too much from the starters in this one you know, I, I don't expect Justin Fields to be out there too much. Maybe like a series or two is probably what you'd expect from um, some of these guys. Um, you know, I don't want to, you know, overreact too much to a preseason game. Like it's going to be a lot of vanilla stuff. They're not going to be doing a ton of um, advanced stuff. They're still installing a lot of things in the playbook here. So um, especially offensively, you're more so just looking for, I think, um, who is getting reps and, um, you know, who is doing, um, especially with the offensive line play, I think it's going to be probably the biggest emphasis here because, you know, the Bears have been rotating a lot with their offensive line in training camp practices, especially at offensive tackle. So I'm, I'm curious to see how they rotate the offensive line here, what combinations they try. You know, Braxton Jones, it seems like he's had that starting left tackle job locked in since the beginning of training camp here. So I want to see how he does against pass rushers that aren't on the Bears. I know he's held up pretty well for the most part in, in training camp practices against, you know, Robert Quinn and Travis Gibson and, and Dominique Robs and some of these other guys. But you know, the Chiefs, you know, George Karloftis, they got, they have him to go up against. They have uh, Frank Clark to go up against. So a different competition there. You know, I want to see how Braxton Jones does in a different context here. And as well as how are they going to, you know, mix in Larry Borum here and Tevin Jenkins, you know, Larry Borum, you know, I talked about in my notes from uh, the practice I was at today, how Borum mentioned in his, in his uh, uh, post-practice presser, that he lost a little bit of weight this offseason to kind of get leaner and kind of kind of fit that mold of what Poles wanted in terms of getting lighter and athletic on the offensive line. He's down from about 340 last year to, to like 320, um, which is you know a pretty significant change for a guy you know as big as he is to get you know that weight down. They've been trying him out at right, at right tackle with the second team and left tackle, kind of mixing him in there. So, you know, how is he going to look um, in his second year and you know, dropping a little bit of weight and you know, how does he mix into the offensive line battle? And then Tevin Jenkins, like, you know, I'm not sure how many snaps he's going to get, but I would assume that he should get a lot of, of reps here with second and third team, because that's where he's been practicing um, in, in training camp practices that I've seen. They've kind of slowly ramped him up a little bit. So how many snaps is he going to get? You know, where is he at physically? You know, I, I really want to see Tevin Jenkins work out here, man, because, you know, second round pick, he was one of my favorite tackle prospects in last year's draft. And it would suck if, you know, the bears just weren't able to get anything out of that pick. It's, it's been a tough road for him so far. And I hope that he can get back to being, you know, his you know, kick-ass self in terms of, you know, just moving guys in the run game and, and being stout in pass protection. Um, because again, there've been a lot of rumors that the bears could be looking to trade him. So, you know, those are some of the battles I'm looking forward to this rookie class. Obviously I, I don't expect Kyler Gordon or Gilles Jones to play. So, you know, 
we're probably not going to see anything from those two guys. They're dealing with injuries, but Brisker, how is he going to look in his first game action? Um, you know, how is Dominique Robinson going to look? Uh, some of these other offensive line prospects. So uh, should be a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to it on Saturday. Um, you know, for all of our Bears fans out there, make sure to follow all of us at the Bear Report here as we cover uh, this first preseason game and get our thoughts on there. And, you know, with that said, I think this is a good time to wrap it up for us here, you say, uh, for this episode of the Fix for Bulls podcast. So um, for all of our Bears fans and listeners out there, uh, make sure to like subscribe to all podcasting platforms here at the Blue Wire. Make sure to check out the Bear Report podcast with Zach and Aaron as well. And you can follow us on social media on Twitter um, at uh, – at Picks for Polls on Twitter there. So uh, you said, where can all of our listeners find you on social media and find your work? Yeah, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at Usaid Koshal. Check out my work on the Bear Report. Um, couple, I have a couple stories dropping, you know, a couple times a week with training camp going on right now. And then a couple during the season two each week. Yeah, absolutely. Make sure to give Usaid a follow there. As for me, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at AJ Freeman 25. You can find my work on the bear report. I was at the last two uh, practices on Thursday and Wednesday for training camp. So if you want to see my notes from those practices, uh, make sure to check that out on the bear report as well. Um, as for all, all of our listeners here, uh, it's an exciting weekend, guys, you know, bears football, they're officially back. We're going to see them in an actual game situation. I know preseason uh, for a lot of fans, it's not, you know, considered real football, but you know, it's the closest thing that we've gotten in a long time. So I, I'm really excited for it. I'm pumped up and um, it should be a very fascinating and fun weekend of, you know, watching some preseason football. So until then, Bears fans, we'll be talking about some preseason reactions in our next episode. Until then, um, have a safe weekend, guys, and bear down. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.